This is Channel 253. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by MoveToTacoma.com. Want to learn more about life in Tacoma? Visit MoveToTacoma.com. I'm Jenny. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma Podcast, empowering an informed electorate. I thought we were informing an empowered electorate. In in the the city city of destiny. Citizen Tacoma, my heart beats true blue. Citizen Tacoma, I'll always vote for you. Hi, Doug. Hi, Jenny. Today on Citizen Tacoma, we interview Chris Beal, who is running for District Number 5 City Council position representing South Tacoma. Yeah, bald guy with a beard. Bald guy with a beard. We like After those. After my own heart. Today is also the debut of the fun questions that come at the end of the Ooh. episode, so stick around for those. There's some political nerdery and books and the Big Lebowski. It's all there. Good stuff. Hello, and welcome to Citizen Tacoma. Hello. Hello. Today we're interviewing Chris Beal, who is running for the city council seat in District Number 5, which is the district that covers South Tacoma. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. So we always start the show with kind of your Tacoma story. So where do you live? Obviously District 5, but your neighborhood and how long have you been here? Yeah. Maybe we can kind of work backwards from that. So um, (laughs) that's a great question. My my wife and I bought our first house uh, in South Tacoma. If you know where Home Depot is on 74th, this Mm -hmm. story I always tell people at the door. (laughs) We live just west of that, right off of Wapato, near Wapato Hills. um, So west of the freeway. Um, It's a pretty big district, right? So it goes Mm -hmm. orchard. You're basically at the footstep of Lakewood on one side, uh, East McKinley on the opposite side. So you're all the way on the east side of the district, Mm. uh, divided by I-5. So we've got pretty distinct areas. And then 56 is our north boundary. East of the freeway, it's 96th. West of the freeway, it's 84th. So Mm. it's a pretty big area. Uh, Wife and I bought a house down there primarily because, you know, it was something we could afford on a single income at the moment. Um, But working backwards from that, uh, we've lived down there for about six years now. Uh, We also lived in another place uh, closer to 56th than M before we lived uh, Mm -hmm. down where we're at now. Uh, We lived actually in the central district before that, District 3. We lived off right off of 6th Avenue and really enjoyed sort of the urban life there. Uh, We lived uh, right behind Chopsticks uh, for Mm -hmm. about five years uh, in an apartment building and really enjoyed the central district, but wanted to to branch out and set our roots down and really buy a house after I got done with college. And um, before that, I've lived in Tacoma for uh, about 15 years now, 15 years uh, this month. Uh, Moved here from Boise uh, Hmm. right out of high school. Literally, I just turned 18 about three weeks before I moved out here with about $500 in my pocket (laughs) and working minimum wage jobs and uh, just worked through college, lived in probably 10 different apartment buildings downtown on the west side, um, all over the place, you name it. I lived in stadium for about three years. Mm. Uh, so I've lived all over Tacoma, um, nice. but we really, really like where we're at now in South Tacoma. Um, that's the place where we've really set roots down and, and really yeah. decided to, to create a life down there. So yeah. Why Tacoma from Boise? Yeah, I mean, partially. Was it a lady? Was it school? What was well, it? yeah, it was school. <laughs> I also came out here with a lady, yes, okay. admittedly. I did come out here with somebody who I was dating in high school who was – Coincidentally, going to college um, in Seattle, mm-hmm. um, I applied at UW uh, and didn't get in, unfortunately, mm-hmm. despite uh, good grades. I had a minor thing with uh, not taking foreign <laughs> languages when I was oh, in no. high school in Idaho, <laughs> and that might be a requirement in Washington. So I came out here mostly for school, but um, I'll never go back. This is yeah. this is my forever home for sure. I mean, I've, I've been here my entire adult life. I don't know anything else. I've never lived independently anywhere else but Western yeah. Washington. So. 
I love that. Um, so tell us about your qualifications. Sure. What makes you qualified to yeah. lead the district? So like I said, um, I came out here for school. I went to Tacoma Community College. Um, so I'm a local grad of TCC, which is great. Um, the community college experience was awesome. But I, from there, transferred to UW Tacoma, mm-hmm. uh, went through their urban studies program, which uh, since I was in the program uh, 10 years ago now, which makes me feel really old. You talk about yeah. 10 years out of high school, <laughs> and then you start thinking 10 years out of college, and you start yeah. feeling pretty old. But um, I went to to school there for urban studies. So mm-hmm. it's a, a program that turns out a lot of uh, local planners. I actually work in local government. I've been with the city Piala for about 10 years, a little, little under 10 years. Um, I've been doing local planning for a little over 10 years. So, you know, studying cities, studying how cities have developed, um, understanding uh, social and race relations, how to create more sustainable communities, um, how to create transportation systems that serve all needs, um, housing, environmental protections, all of those things kind of encompass my educational background, but also my professional background. Um, so it's something that I think lends naturally a little bit to sort of you know, the leadership role on a city council seat. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big thing that I think kind of contributes to that too is I've been on the city's planning commission for about six years. Uh, I've been the chairperson for uh, just about three years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my term's almost up as the chair. Um, but during that time, we've updated the city's comprehensive plan. We did that in 2015. So we did a major overhaul, tons of outreach with community groups, um, number of public hearings on those issues. So I've helped for quite some time along with my fellow commissioners to help craft kind of the city's vision mm-hmm. uh, all the way across the gamut of all, you know, land use policy, housing policy, transportation, how we're going to deal with um, social issues and those sort of things, advising the city council on those matters. Um all the way down to, you know, the hot button topics like marijuana and billboards, right? We used to yeah. joke because marijuana <laughs> and billboards would come to us all the time that yeah. we're not the planning commission, we're the marijuana and, and billboard <laughs> Marijuana and billboard yeah, commission. Yeah, <laughs> so I think just from the qualification standpoint, my sort of experience in local government, um, my experience, uh, you know, serving on the city's planning commission, but also mm-hmm. largely my experience in the district, right? So I was on the South Tacoma Neighborhood Council for a number of years, learned a lot of very valuable things about my district there, um, serving as a vice chair, uh, to the late Skip Vaughn, who's um, very well known in, mm. in South Tacoma. Actually, has a park named after him over yeah. at Wapato Hills. Um, so I served on that for quite a number of years. I'm pretty active with uh, Safe Streets Group. Um, I do a lot of volunteering at pretty much any park in the district. Uh, Metro Parks Habitat Stewardship Program. Mm-hmm. I do a once-a-month work party at Wapato uh, Lake Park. Um, so I bring in volunteers. We educate them on why cleaning up the park, why doing restoration work matters, um, all, all kinds of things that kind of lend to my community experience in the South Tacoma area. So I'd say, yeah, my communi- my, my um, background is in education uh, in urban studies and sort of the, the history of my volunteer experience, I think, kind of lends well to, to the next step of, of leadership, which would be city council. Excellent. So tell me more about your district. You did a good job of rounding up the boundaries, yeah. but um, who are your people? Mm-hmm. What have you been hearing on doorsteps as you've been doorbelling? Yeah, yeah. we've been doorbelling quite some time. You know, I've been a candidate since January. We, we mm-hmm. came out pretty early with the candidacy and, you know, thinking full circle, I was talking to friends and family about maybe running for city council this time last year. It's August and um, this has been a long, long slog. Yeah. But um, the things that um, I think, and this is kind of back 
you know, to my com community experience on the neighborhood council, but also the amount of time that we've spent. We started doorbelling right at the end of March. And so mm. we spent the whole spring dodging rain showers and wow. trying to get to as many doors as we can early. Uh, now that we've had good weather all summer, I'm out pretty much every day. Um, I'm going to actually go out doorbell right <laughs> after this. So um, the things that we kind of hear, again, like I'd said, we're it's a really broad district. You're almost in Lakewood on the west side, yeah. and you're pretty solidly in East Tacoma on the east side. And the gambit of issues really run the spectrum, right? So mm. the Pacific Avenue corridor, we do still have a lot of issues with um, drug use, with prostitution, unfortunately. You've heard some of the high-profile yeah. things with the Morgan uh, Motel mm. and the, the Calico Cat, which is now the Pacific Lodge. Some of the, the, the issues that we've seen there permeate through our neighborhoods, um, particularly mm. on the east side of Pacific Avenue. Um, some of the crime issues there with break-ins and those sort of things are a little bit higher. Um, but you get, you know, further west and things are a little more, you know, people are, you know, feeling pretty solid about their neighborhoods. And mm. I think that some of those issues um, are what I've heard. I think some of the other issues that that I know about and that are kind of central to my campaign, um, again, I think with the, the safety issues that we have, you know, reinvestment in our public safety, um, I think would serve the district really well. We've had mm -hmm. pretty, you know, big cutbacks in our police and fire services. Um, yeah. And those sort of things, I think, are really central to everybody, right? Everybody wants to live in a safe neighborhood. And so mm -hmm. I think public safety, when you look at the spectrum of how many safe streets groups there are in our neighborhood, we have the highest sort of concentration, which is great. It really brings neighbors together and they care for those smaller sort of blocks or mm -hmm. precincts, as if I'm speaking like a candidate. <laughs> yeah. um, and they really kind of watch out for each other and have monthly meetings and really communicate what's going on in those neighborhoods. So I think safety is one of the things that I've heard across the spectrum as, as something that is a shared value with most people in South Dakota yeah. and the South End and the East Side. I shouldn't ignore that too. Um, so I think that that's kind of what I've heard. And I think that that's kind of um, where my district is. We're a very diverse district. We have two mm -hmm. of the of the three uh, most diverse census tracts um, in the city, uh, particularly when you get further south near, say, Hosmer and 96th. Mm -hmm. um, very diverse. I mean, just the, the whole gamut. You're not, you know, to be frank, we're not just door knocking white people, um, yeah. which can be a lot of precincts where you have higher voter turnout. And we've, mm -hmm. we've seen some of those demographics. But um, it's a very, very diverse neighborhood, which I really value. I, I really value the difference of opinions and the difference of perspectives that I've gotten while I've been doorbelling. It's been really enriching, actually. I mean, a lot of candidates, I think, think it's, you know, uh, it's kind of boring or some people avoid yeah. it. And there's a lot of candidates that don't do doorbelling. And I think it's really central if you're going to be a really good representative, I think, central to get out there, talk to voters, see where the problem areas are, mm -hmm. start almost a catalog, right? And and try to keep an idea of where some of the smaller problems are. Maybe it's speed humps on a street that somebody really has been asking for for a long time. But maybe it's also the crime in somebody's neighborhood that we really need to address. Yeah. And the one really kind of signature thing that I've been working on recently is with a group in our Blueberry Park neighborhood. Mm. Um, Blueberry Park, unfortunately, has yeah. pretty high issues with um, – crime, with crimes of opportunity, theft, uh, but also just sort of street prostitution, right? And so we've seen a lot of those issues. I've heard a lot about those issues as I doorbell. And I've tried to help facilitate a smaller group uh, that's kind of a focus group from their Safe Streets neighborhood um, organization to work on sort of a strategic plan. So this kind of comes out of my my working field in the nonprofit world. I'm yeah. uh, the board president of a small nonprofit, uh, Forever Green Trails, if I'm giving a shameless <laughs> plug. Um, and on that board, I've been the board president for about two years. And I've tried to move our board towards being 
being more strategic with our goal setting and those sort of things. And that's lended pretty well to helping a small neighborhood group of about 10 people that really care about their neighborhood. They want to be invested and stay there. And um, I've come in and tried to help them sort of facilitate through a strategic plan. Uh, where in fact, we're just having another meeting on Friday and we're trying to work through some of the issues and set some goals and, and tangible things that we can achieve um, in moving some of those so some of those items forward. So mm-hmm. it's been really great. I mean, you know, win or lose, I've, I've been really enriched in just knowing my district better, uh, knowing every street, you know, up and down yeah. and, and making it through. This will be done with our second round through the district next week. So uh, it's been great. I, I mean, just meeting as many people as I can. And, and it's been really fun and enriching, like I said. So I'm curious about your plan for B- Blueberry Park. What do you do about prostitution? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that there's That's necessarily clearly. a smoking gun. And I think, yeah. you know, there is there's a lot of neighborhood compassion among the neighbors. You know, yeah. I think when you when you hear sort of neighborhood group, you you think of sort of, you know, torches and pitchforks. But they're they're really yeah, it's not really a NIMBY group. Yeah. Um, largely they're very compassionate about some of the issues. Obviously they're frustrated, right? Yeah. What I think we see with the cutbacks in police services is sort of a level of expectation that they're not receiving in terms of public safety services. And mm-hmm. the police do really care. Um, but when you talk to a lot of people, you you realize that you know, they're frustrated with calling and calling and calling about certain issues, and the police are frustrated because they don't have enough staffing to help yeah. these people out. I mean, they, they really do want to help them out, and they can't yeah. necessarily. So some of the things that we're trying to do with our strategic plan are set sort of sort of overall values that everybody in that neighborhood shares, right? So mm-hmm. having a safe neighborhood, but also caring for the people that are unfortunately, in that type of industry and wanting to deal with some of those issues more progressively, right? And trying to set tangible goals of, yes, we should be dealing with this, but no, we don't want to push it on to somebody else's neighborhood. So how do we do that, right? The one, um, I wouldn't say fun story, but one interesting story as a candidate, one of the most interesting stories I have is that I stopped uh, at 84th and and, uh, Pacific Avenue Walgreens, which unfortunately is uh, a known spot for picking up <laughs> prostitutes. Uh, oh, no. This is what I've learned from the neighborhood. So I went to pick up a couple of uh, signs that were uh, near there that had been kicked over, and I got out of my car to put those in my car. And um, a lady came up to me and asked, oh, "Are you a real estate person?" And I said, "No, I'm a candidate for for city council." And she just unloaded on me about how she has to work in the street, how she thinks it should be legalized, it should be a health and safety issue. How? She's concerned about a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, that are in the industry. Um, she doesn't want to be in the industry, but she feels like she doesn't have an out. She was living in her car up until a week earlier mm. and, and and luckily staying in a church parking lot where they didn't kick her out. It was a very surreal experience to, wow. to talk with somebody about that. But at the same time, it's like you hear it from the neighbors, but then you also hear it from the people that maybe are demonized as as ruining somebody's neighborhood. And she told me, she said, I don't want to do this in people's neighborhoods. I don't want to, mm. you know, be out there with, with these type of things. But what else am I supposed to do? And I'm yeah. sort of caught in this cycle. And it was it was pretty, it was almost heart-wrenching to, to listen to her story. <laughs> so I don't know that I necessarily have the answer. I don't think, you know, mm. things like, you know, systemic you know, social issues like homelessness and prostitution and drug use. I mean, they require multi-pronged efforts, require multi-pronged policy decisions and policy efforts and programs and funding. So I don't think there's one answer yeah. necessarily. Um, but, you know, you, I've heard both perspectives. It's it's a very it's very interesting to have both perspectives. Mm. So. so you've talked a bit about the issues that you see facing your district. Um, what do you think is the... The, the larger things that you'll be working on as 
the representative of District 5. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about public safety. I think that that's, you know, a major mm-hmm. issue. I think that um, the issues surrounding homelessness are a, a major issue as well. But I think um, we also have a housing crisis. We have mm-hmm. a housing issue here, right? I mean, we, we hear a lot about, and I hear a lot about doorbelling, when, especially when I'm in apartment complexes, with rents just continuing to skyrocket on people. Um, I think housing is one issue that we need to address. And I think mm-hmm. there's a couple of, of different ideas I have there. First, I think... Um, we need to embrace the growth that is going to happen in this area. This is an extremely desirable yeah. region to want to live in. I mean, that's yep. why I moved here. Yep. And that's why we're one of the fastest growing regions in the entire country. And if we don't continue to match the growth with with housing, we're going to continue to mm-hmm. see rents go up. We're going to continue to see people priced out. We're going to continue to see gentrification in some neighborhoods. And I don't think as a shared value, that's not what I know people in Tacoma to, to do. And so yeah. I think that that's one issue I'd like to look at. Um, we 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 asked the voters about an affordable housing bond measure um, about 12 or 13 years ago. Um, I'd like to rehab that discussion with voters and, and see where see where we're at with those issues in terms mm. of long-term affordable housing provisions. Um, I think that there are issues around jobs, right? So, I mean, that's kind of the, like I had said before, the golden unicorn yeah. of, of any candidate is trying to grow our, our living wage job situation here. And I think there are a number of different steps we can do. Um, the things that I've kind of advocated for on the jobs front are maybe looking at ways to focus our capital investments, mm-hmm. um, putting an economic de- development lens over our capital investments to find out, you know, we have 17 mixed-use centers in the city, and I guess I'll get a little bit wonky on you yeah. since I'm the planning commission Please chair. Do. but So we have 17 mixed-use centers. Our growth strategy for the next, you know, 25 plus or minus years is we need to accept about 125,000 people. Um, wow. That's about a 40% growth in where we're at now. And so that's a pretty tall task. And mm-hmm. our growth strategy in the city's comprehensive plan is that about 70 to 80 percent of that should be absorbed into our mixed use centers. So we're talking things like Proctor. Um, yeah. Not not that that's my district issue, mm-hmm. but things like Proctor Station are what we're going to see more as as a norm um, in the in the development yeah. community. I think as we continue to grow, continue to see people priced out of the Seattle and King County market. So um, I think It'd be that kind of get some Proctor stations down on South Tacoma Lane. Yeah, Such right. A cute little area. And I think a lot of people would be okay with that. You I know, think and so I think too, the context right? matters, and I think that the design of those things matter. But mm-hmm. um, I think. I think that sort of if you look at kind of bring that full circle in terms of population growth back to jobs is that we need to do a better job of knowing what the holes are in our infrastructure within those mixed-use centers. We need to know what a development um, capacity is for those areas mm-hmm. and what we need to do in terms of infrastructure improvements to what I would call set the table for redevelopment, right? So not only for housing, but for job creation, for um, local jobs that might not be, you know, really high paying tech jobs or something like that, that we mm-hmm. would really like to attract, but um, local jobs that keep people close to where they live, uh, cut down on commute times, cut down on the, the regional um, transportation problems that we have, right? Yep. And I think, you know, th- there are also other things with the port where we could um, talk about attracting cleaner industries. You know, the port's got a pretty bad legacy of, of pollution. Mm-hmm. And I think that what we're seeing now in terms of the environmental activism movement here in Tacoma is that there's a large sect of the community that's not cool with where we're going, right? And we in the, on the Planning Commission are working on issues to sort of align with those values. And I think that's what the current city council um, or some members of the current city council want to see is more job growth on the port, but the right type of jobs long term. Mm -hmm. So I think that job growth is really key, especially for my district. I mean, if you look at sort of the profile of my district, it's largely retail and service sector. I mean, we do have probably some pretty good paying jobs on South Tacoma Way in terms of car dealerships and those sort of things. But, mm-hmm. you know, largely we're talking about retail sector employment and wanting to grow some of those jobs um, in our district is really key for me. 
Mm-hmm. I think one other thing on jobs is we could look at um, something called a community workforce agreement. And those are things that the city can control, right? So I think in terms of jobs, when we talk about sort of the full spectrum of what we can do about job growth. There are certain incentives the city can do. There are certain investments the city can do to set the table or to encourage certain industries, you know, focus our economic development efforts on certain industries and certain locations and market ourselves and position ourselves correctly um, to capture some of that regional growth. But there are certain things we can do as an agency if, if we're talking about the city itself to really capture um, job growth and, and skills, right? So the things that, that we're seeing on some of the, the folks that are working in that industry, um, working on sort of the social and racial justice in- industry and, and mm-hmm. trying to grow jobs on that side is community workforce agreements. So what yeah. that means is essentially public projects would have some component of hiring people within – targeted census tracts, whether that's um, based on income, whether that's based mm. on uh, race factors, whatever that might be, it essentially allows for that public public project to bring on people from those census tracts as apprentices uh, to gain skills in, in the skilled industry um, mm. and gain work experience to move themselves up the ladder to higher paying work. And I think that that's something that you've seen in a little bit more progressive communities, not to say Tacoma's not progressive. I think we are. Um, I don't think we're necessarily yeah. Seattle. Um, <laughs> I don't think I would go that far. But there are certain things that I think we can do in terms of things like community workforce agreements that can get people into skilled industries mm. and, and grow their their job opportunities and their skills um, to move on to full-time employment and to really actually empower people that traditionally have been marginalized um, and haven't really seen the investment uh, and time and, and sort of focused um, mm. thought on those issues. So that's, that's a couple of the issues that I think are really important. That's really fascinating. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Um, yeah, when we talk about family wage jobs, it's kind of what everybody wants to talk about here on Citizen Tacoma. Yeah. It's always sort of puzzling to me how we go about actually making those jobs. Right, because I, like I said, I, I like to use the term unicorn, right? Like it's yeah. it's a really fun terminology to, to throw around. And I think, you know, you're not a good candidate if you don't talk about jobs. I think yeah. that it's a central issue and, and a lot of people – you know, really care about this type of stuff. And it, and it gets all the way down to how your family functions. And, mm-hmm. you know, my wife and I have been on a single income for a long time. My wife, fortunately enough, she's had some health issues, but is going back to work full time. And so I kind of, I mean, working on a, a single person income, we were helping support my sister-in-law and her four kids for a long time who weren't working. You know, I've seen and, and yeah. lived through a lot of these issues and we've lived paycheck to paycheck for a long period of time. And I think, you know, as sort of the, you know, the outgoing, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm if I'm being frank, sort of the outgoing, you know, white candidate, a lot of people think that, oh, he's, you know, he's super middle class. He's probably really well financially well off. But some of these issues, I, I think that a lot of people in my district um, are just like us, like one paycheck yeah. away from being in disaster. And I think when most I was thinking people are one paycheck away from yeah, disaster. Yeah. And when I was thinking about running this last year, I had a friend really challenge me with sort of that conceptual question of you got to think about who who the people in your district are. And it kind of, you know, it's an intimidating question. Well, I don't know everybody in this district. I don't know yeah. what everybody's issues are. And one day I was just, I was walking my dogs and I was thinking about how we're going to have to float a little bit of money until I get my next check to pay, a, to pay a bill so we can buy groceries for the weekend. And it just kind of came to me of like, these are the issues that people in this district deal with. These are the mm-hmm. issues that my friends and my neighbors deal with. And it, it kind of – it's the sort of that what you would call the tribal moment, right? Yeah. You feel like you're part of sort of 
a common everyday struggle. Um, and that, I don't know, that, that part of my inspiration as well to really run for city council is that, um, that I've lived through, you know, pretty financially rough times for a long time. And, mm-hmm. and I want to represent people that, that go through, through a, a similar struggle. And I think that, you know, my life experience is if we're getting deeper and I'm sitting on the, yeah. <laughs> the therapist couch here, but I think that that's, that's part of the story too, is that, yeah. that I kind of understand some of the struggle that a lot of people go, that go through. So on that note, <laughs> what did your predecessor, Joe Lonergan, do well for your district, and what will you do to approve upon his work? Yeah, so I think um, Joe has done a great job in terms of diversifying the opinion of city council, right? So I think that that's long been sort of a, a criticism from some people like, you know, Matt Driscoll talks a little bit about, you know, it seems like regular city council meetings are all business and no one has any, you know, fights or discussion. And I think mm-hmm. what I've seen from Joe and what I've admired about Joe is that he does bring a diversity of opinion. He does try to bring sort of the common man's opinion uh, to the table a little bit and tries to you know, again, diversify the opinion. I'd say Joe is probably a little more, you know, moderate or, or conservative than a lot of the city council is, um, mm-hmm. and maybe some of my district is. I mean, if you look at the demographics and the voting history of our district, we're, we're pretty solidly blue. It's a pretty solidly yeah. blue working class neighborhood. Um, but Joe has really brought, I think, that diversity of opinion that that is sort of needed and sort of diversifies on that. Um, I'd like to help with that, obviously. I think that I have sort of a perspective and, you know, they've some people have compared me to David Bow, right? So Councilmember <laughs> yeah. Bow, who I really respect and love and wish he'd have stayed on city council for a second term, mm-hmm. really understands sort of the development community from the private side. And that that perspective, I think, is what I can bring to the table in terms of diversifying the opinion or or bringing a different slice of, of pizza to the, to the table is that mm-hmm. I have sort of the experience, right, of dealing with developers day in, day out. I understand what it what people need to, to redevelop. I understand sort of how housing works. I understand how land development and how zoning and those sort of pieces work. And I think that when you look at a lot of elected bodies, you know, there are people out there that say, gosh, I wish we had somebody that was strong on land use or strong on urban design or strong on some of these planning issues. And I think that that's a strength that I can bring to the table that mm-hmm. that also brings maybe a diversity of opinion in a, in a different light or a different way uh, than maybe Joe has done in the past. But um, again, I think that maybe following along the same theme as Joe is that Joe did spend a lot of time doing what I did, trying to door knock, trying to, to, to know the neighborhood. And I think that that also brings a South Tacoma perspective mm-hmm. um, or a South End South Tacoma perspective yeah. to the table is knowing your neighbors, knowing what the problem areas are and knowing that they're distinctly different from many other areas of the city. And so, you know, I know the question was sort of compare and contrast, but I think that the one th- common thing that Joe and I may share if I do get elected into office is that we'll kind of share that perspective. And that's kind of my hope. And that's why I've spent so much time investing so much time in trying to doorbell and, and really get to know my neighbors and the people all across the district so I can continue that sort of legacy piece. Mm. So you will be elected to represent your district, but you will, of course, be voting on citywide issues. Mm -hmm. Um, If there is ever a conflict, how will you balance the needs of your district with the needs of the whole city? Yeah, I think that this is one one of those issues that you hear a lot from voters, right? There's I think sort of the – I guess when I first walked into wanting to campaign, you know, the stereotype of people comparing and contrasting the South End to the North End, like, Mm -hmm. oh, the North End always gets everything. 
that ethos, that sort of mentality, I think is a very common refrain. A lot of people yeah. feel like we've been shortchanged over the year. And I think when you when you talk to people that have been around a long time, I mean, you talk to Representative Steve Kirby and, and he's been – you know, he's been on city council in the 70s and the 80s. Now he's been a state legislator for a long time. And the times that I've sat down with Steve, he's really told me a lot about sort of the historic disinvestment, right? Mm -hmm. And so while we have, you know, fairly good policies on equity now, I think that when we place an equity lens over a lot of things, when we talk about demographics, when we talk about income, um, you know, we've, we've got precincts in my district that have almost 40 percent um, federal poverty line hmm. uh, sort of levels of income. And so when you when you talk about that, when you talk about making city decisions but bringing a perspective to the table, I really appreciate that we have districts in the city. Like I, you know, recently when Seattle went to districts, I have a friend that lives in Seattle and is kind of involved in the political scene. And there was a lot of concern over, oh, people are just going to make, make pet projects for their district and hmm. it's going to really mess things up. But the perspective I've had in running in a district is you represent the people that live in that area. And yes, we do make decisions citywide, but I think it's extremely important to try to centralize your decision-making and your thought process and placing a lens over how is this going to affect the people that live in my district? How is it going to affect the people that you know are going to be disproportionately affected by these decisions? And how do I try to make decisions best for those people? Mm -hmm. And try to balance sort of what you think is good policy with what you think is is going to be best for the people that are going to be affected by those decisions in your district. So hmm. I think that that's, that's one thing. Um, I've definitely in the past, you know, in my time on the planning commission, tried to, to be an independent voice when I, when I feel like certain policy issues are going uh, a direction that I, I feel is wrong. And I've, I've stood up and, and voiced my opinion. And I think that, you know, being on a planning commission, it's not city council, obviously, but you do learn about group dynamics, right? And mm -hmm. I think that that experience, especially being the chair for about three years, which is a pretty prolonged period yeah. of time and a, I guess a, a very nice <laughs> gesture by my fellow commissioners, if I will. Um, but I think that that time sort of developing policy and working through those issues with a group and sort of being sort of the leader as part of that has – allowed me to realize that if you have a difference of opinion, it's okay to speak up and, and tell somebody, yeah. yeah, you're my friend when we're off the microphone and out of this meeting, <laughs> but you're wrong on this right now. And yeah. I think you're wrong and I'm going to call you out on it. And I, I feel like, you know, if you talk to some of my other commissioners, that's some, that's something that I've been pretty consistent on. And I think I'm going to continue to bring that voice to the table for the people in my district and, and to represent what it means to live in the South End and South Tacoma. So, so – when you are elected, will you no longer be on the planning commission, right? Yes, I can't advise myself okay. on the planning <laughs> I commission. Think so. I have a couple planning so commissioners the... <laughs> that are begging me to figure out how I could stay on, but if no. If the planning commission loses both you and Meredith, there will be some seats available there. Well, actually, Meredith uh, did not seek reappointment in June, so, she, so she's been filled yep, already. She, her position's okay. been filled, and from a time management perspective, I cannot blame her <laughs> okay. at all. It is a lot of work to have to balance a campaign with being on the planning commission. So I imagine yeah. so. Julie Anderson was talking about all of the various commissions that one can be appointed to or can oh, yeah. um, volunteer for. So There's something like, I think, 27 or something like that. I can't remember the exact yeah. count, but there you are a lot of boards. Civic app and you can see all of the yeah. things that are open. So. Yeah, I've, I've encouraged multiple people while doorbelling of like, you should think about like looking yeah. into applying for something because of some issue that they talked to me about and and wanting you know people mm -hmm. don't know how to get civically engaged and yeah. but admittedly right i mean when people 
don't have the time. You know, you've got yeah. kids. You don't have the money. Maybe you're working two jobs. It's hard to be civically engaged. It and is. so I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I'm at now to to be as civically engaged as I am. Yeah. Um, despite some of the issues that I've gone through, um, I really feel blessed in, in a lot of those ways. So yeah. um, I definitely encourage, you know, look into it. If, you're, if you've got a topic yeah. area you care about, look into it for sure. <laughs> yes. And it's important to n- mention as well that typically those commissions have one or two meetings a month. Yep. And so if you can make that kind of commitment, then yeah. you have the time for yeah. civic engagement. Definitely. Yeah. I'm not lecturing. I am on the Solid Waste <laughs> Advisory Committee, ah. which meets once a month. Nice. <laughs> um, so I want to transition now to the fun questions. Sure. So that we get to know a little bit of, of your personality as well. Nice. What is your favorite bar or restaurant to hang out in in Tacoma? What's your uh, local? Edison Alehouse on 56th and, ooh, it's right by Cedar. I think it's on Jeanette or Cedar. Edison uh, Alehouse. Edison Alehouse. It's one of the only tap rooms in uh, South Tacoma. Wow. Yeah. Very chill environment. Right. Everyone go they, check out Edison they've Alehouse. They've got great sandwiches. They've got their tap their tap list changes constantly. Every time I go in there, it's something new. The owners uh, are awesome. It. Robbie, who's one of the main owners, is a super nice guy. Yeah, check it out. It's uh, it's right on 56 near the, the South Tacoma Business District. Yeah. Nice. We're both scrawling away I like know, crazy here because here. I haven't. What? I thought, I, was, I, have not I, heard thought of? I was hip. <laughs> I'm not hip. <laughs> um, you mentioned a dog. Tell me about your pets. Ah, yes. Um, I have two dogs, actually. What uh, are their names yep. and breeds? Yes. Uh, <laughs> they're both Malamutes, so we both have big dogs. Wow. Uh, one name is Ruby. She'll be five in December. Uh, our other dog is Raja, uh, named after the tiger in Aladdin. Yes, yes I definitely. am a child and I still watch <laughs> Disney movies. Um, so, yeah, he's a little over one. He's massive. He's 120 pounds already uh. and just a total love bug. And then we uh, we are big pet people. We have three cats on top of that. Oh, so, my gosh. Yes. It's a little bit of a, of a pet zoo at my house. Yeah. I love that. That's so yeah. interesting. Um, you did already tell one of these stories, but what is the most interesting thing that's happened to you while doorbelling? Ooh, I've got a good one for <laughs> <Okay>. you. So <laughs> I remember the address. I won't speak it all aloud just to not alarm people. Uh, this was about two months ago. I uh, just set the scene for you. Uh, it's near Pacific Avenue. I walked into a very kind of long, rounded, gated driveway. Okay. Uh, couldn't find the front of the house. I was kind of searching around. The front of the house isn't obvious, and so I went around one side, go around the other side through kind of a little gate, and I found a guy, and he had his back to me, and he had big earphones on. Oh, no. Uh, like you're a DJ, <laughs> and he's watching TV on his on his porch, on like a, he's got a table and a canopy and everything. And my first instinct was, well, he can't see me. Oh, I'm no, not going to tap him on the shoulder. <laughs> so for a couple seconds, I thought, maybe I'll just walk away. He says aloud, don't worry, I can see you. I know you're here. <laughs> and he swivels around. Did he have a like rear view mirror or something? No, I think he had a security system, oh although gosh. he was watching evangelical videos on okay, his TV. Okay. Uh, he swiveled around. He was uh, about mid-60s uh, wearing uh, coveralls that were cut off halfway up his thigh. <laughs> he had a loaded 9 millimeter in his breast pocket. Wow. Uh, he had about four beers, empty beers on the table at 3 in the afternoon. Um, oh and I brushed off the, the gun issue and just kind of pretended like he wasn't, uh, you know, packing right Sitting visibly in the armed. open. Yes. And I uh, kind of gave him my spiel and, and told him why I was running and kind of gave him my literature. And he kind of went down the rabbit hole of, did you know that world banks are taking over the universe? Mm. Did you know Obama is a socialist Muslim that hates this country? Mm-hmm. Uh, 9-11 was an inside 9/11 job. 9-11 was an inside job. Yep. We went over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asked me if I had accepted <laughs> Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Uh, 
uh, huh. to which I politely answered yes, of course, uh, because in that scenario, I'm going to yes. answer every question <laughs> yes, is of yes, course. of course. <laughs> uh, so I went through a roller coaster ride of about 20 minutes with this gentleman. Oh. Um, but by the end, he said, you know, I'll tell my, my wife about you. I really like you. And let me walk you out. This is a dangerous neighborhood. And he walked oh. me all the way to his gates. Uh, so that was quite the delightful experience. Wow. Yeah. Other than, other than the lady of the evening uh, at yes, uh, yes. 84th and Walgreens. So. <laughs> Ugh, Tacoma characters. Yeah, that was good. Um, have you read anything good lately, or do you have a favorite book that you would like to share with our Ooh. audience? I am into, and this might seem odd, but I am kind of into right now uh, Buddhist spirituality. Hmm. So I've been reading a lot about um, those issues. I think that that's kind of helped center me a little bit, yeah. uh, you know, the stress of the campaign and doing everything else that, that I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just started, I was listening to Fresh Air the other night on NPR and there was a gentleman, um, oh, I'm trying to remember his name, Robert Wright, I think his name is, and he came out with a book recently called Why Buddhism is True. And it's sort of a scientific discussion of, of how sort of the human mind works and sort of the messaging and the ethos behind Buddhism. And it's it's kind of an interesting look into, into this. Yeah, note. you should take another note. That's, <laughs> it's a really good one. Um, I've just I just started it about a week ago, but um, it's something that I've been reading into a little bit. Um, I wish I did more reading these days. I mean, oh, my yeah, schedule sure is you, you know work all day and then doorbelling after work, and it's it's quite a bit of work. But um, I've been trying to make time for self care and for for reading, and that's definitely a, a hobby of mine I'd like to do. But I will say, as a planner, I would probably my favorite book. Uh, Life and Death of Great Amer- of American Cities, Gene Jacobs. I recommend anybody who is a budding or uh, professional urbanist to continue to read that over the years because I think there are so many things in that book that, notes. yeah, that that I think are so relevant um, to how we we form our public spaces and and it's definitely mm. been an inspiration. I like to go back and read it every couple of years just to remind myself of where we as planners should be moving and, and how we should be thinking about cities and public space. So back to the common space in the middle for gathering with everything around the yeah, edges, and it, I mean it, it talks a lot about sort of urbanism and the the. Term term that, you know, you hear in planning school is eyes on the street, right? Is that streets are safer when you have density. Streets are safer when you have bigger public spaces. And this mm-hmm. is actually a takeaway, an interesting takeaway. I went to Vancouver last year, about a year ago for the first time, Vancouver, Canada, not, not uh, Washington. Not the um, Yeah. <laughs> and I was blown away at, at the fact that Vancouver is more of a, is their downtown core seems to be as dense, if not more dense than Seattle. But after spending a couple of days there walking around, I, I kept thinking, why is this more comfortable? Yeah. Why do I not feel as crowded in Vancouver? And I was at a planning conference, and so my friend and I got into this, this long discussion about what what about Vancouver is so much different than Seattle, and it's the public space. It's yeah. how the public spaces were designed. And the thing that I learned in talking to a couple of, of Canadian planners while I was at the meeting was – that Vancouver moved away from sort of the prescriptive zoning things of like this land use, this land use, and like mm-hmm. caring so much about the building setback and those sort of things and tried to do more of a design studio based on how is the public going to interact with the massing of the building. So you have this massive, huge building. How is the public space going to minimize the mass and the, the, the hugeness of that building? Mm. And that kind of got led me down this rabbit hole of like, yeah, in Seattle – doesn't have great sidewalks. I mean, it does in some places, but these public plazas and these public spaces that are in front of these buildings really help create that public-private interface that creates a good urban environment. I mean, these are the Mm. geeky, nerdy things that I think about, right? And I I just think about these type of things, and I think more and more we should care about our public spaces because you see sort of the outcry about things like Proctor Station. And I think that in large part, it's a design issue. It's, it's 
par- partially a public input issue, but it's how the building is designed, how the architecture works. But I also think really that key piece of how we're going to develop as a community is continuing to focus on how does our public space prioritize what our transportation policy says, and that's pedestrians, mm. right? And we should be focusing on how to get people out of their cars and connected with their, with their neighborhoods and get services within walkable distances from where people live and sort of what we call the 20-minute neighborhood concept. There should be enough convenience things that you can walk to and back in 20 minutes. And that's something mm. that we worked on during the, the comprehensive plan update. It sounds but, like a dream. Yeah, yeah. Near 6th <laughs> Avenue, though. I mean, there's, yes. there's a lot of neighborhoods like that. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's a desirable place for sure. Do you have any unusual talents? You don't play the accordion no. or you I, can't lick your elbow, nothing like that. I'm a good bowler. I mean, okay. does, does that count? Yes. I, You know, my <laughs> wife and I were in bowling leagues for a number of years. And, Love it. Uh, you Are know, you a I fan carry, of The Big Lebowski? Literally, it's my favorite movie of all time. Oh I'm not even kidding you. I, the funny, There's a funny story about <laughs> doorbelling, too. There was a guy doorbelled. Um, over on the east side, and I looked at my sheet, and I said, oh, he's 33. He drives a Subaru Crosstrek, so do I. I got to his front door, and he had, like, he had a, he, first off, he had Lebowski stickers on his car. Yeah. And then he had a door hanger next to his door, and if you're if you're a fan of the movie, the the scene where he's laying in the bathtub, and the Nihilists come in, and they're breaking his stuff, and he says, yeah. this is a private residence, man. a private man. residence, man. He yeah, he had a sign next to his that? door, and he answered the door, and it, it gets even creepier. He had a beard and dark glasses, and he was bald. I was, I literally just told him, before I even gave him the spiel, you are my doppelganger. Just, just FYI. <laughs> that's so, so yes, awesome. that's my. It's my favorite movie. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I once made the finals of the costume contest at Lebowski Fest. Nice. Congrats. Yes, yes. Who did you dress up as? I went as the Queen and her damn Dundies, which is a deep reference mm-hmm. to the uh, intro by the by the stranger. Yep. And he says, "I've never been to I've never been to England and never been to France, and I've never seen the no Queen and her damn Dundies." Yes, that's right. So I rented a huge um, stole thing from uh, Northwest Costume, and I got a big crown, and I got giant. Um, un- unattractive underwear to wear to underneath. The really great thing really is good. my father-in-law is a huge fan of the movie too and he grew his hair out and the goatee out yeah. the same as him and he kind of looks like <laughs> Jeff Bridges so he had he, he went to things with like the robe on and everything That's and with so the glass awesome. of milk and yeah. I've actually thought about this and I'm like I don't think I could pull the dude off <laughs> but if I gain like 40 pounds I probably could pull Walter off um, with the beard and everything you know yes, get the shooting yes. glasses yeah, this is this is not nom. It's, this it's is bowling. more nerdy, but you could also do the neighbor. You could have your dance quintet. Yeah, I could, could definitely. Yeah, do that. you know, tomorrow's I mean, already the tenth. <laughs> Far out, yeah. <laughs> right? If you did Walter, you could uh, borrow the uh, nine millimeter from one of your constituents. Yes, yes exactly. I could borrow it from that guy. Exactly. Yes. Why is everything a tragedy with you, man? Okay. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> thank you. That was awesome. Let's move on. Um, my last question is. Do you remember registering to vote? And was there, this is my nerdy politics question, who was the first person you got to vote for that you were super excited about voting for? I don't remember registering to vote. That's a weird question. I, and the weird <laughs> fact that I don't remember that you necessarily. Did you register on very, your 18th birthday? Well, I did. I, I, I know I registered around my 18th <laughs> birthday. Um, I will say in a very sort of leftist way, I was very excited about Ralph Nader. Mm. I was a big Ralph Nader fan. You were young. When I voted for him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding. Well, the reason I asked that question is that we are going to begin reminding people from here through uh, October 9th 
that that is the last day to register to vote in the general and that there are three ways to do so. You can do so online at co.pierce.wa.us. You can go in person to the election center, which is at 2501 South 35th Street, Suite C. Or you can call 798-7427 and request that a registration packet be mailed to you. These are important things that the people need to know about. Very. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today. Can you please wrap us up with why the citizens of District 5 should vote for you? Yeah. So, again, I think that, you know, when you look at politics, I think that you've got to find the right person for for who your, your values represent. And I hope that I'm that person for the people in District 5. You know, I've spent a lot of time my volunteer time, you know, serving the community. And the thing that I tell people is win or lose, I'm not going to become disengaged <laughs> and disinvolved in You're the South Dakota community. Out. No, no. And I think, you know, again, not to sort of give you the, the resume speech, but I think that the voters should care about my experience, right? And mm -hmm. that I do have a really good, well-rounded experience in South Tacoma, but I understand what people go through. And I feel like kind of those combination of things are going to allow me to not only help represent where people are in our district, but also to have a very, very short learning curve when I walk into office. And I think that that it's something that I would value as a voter, something that I would want to vote for somebody who's very qualified and can represent me very, you know, aptly and very mm -hmm. um, in, in a immediate sense without having sort of a long learning curve and making, you know, decisions that they're not really completely sure about yet. And I think that that's kind of where um, where I kind of sit in, the, in regards to why people should vote for me is that my community experience, my my volunteer experience on the planning commission, my kind of my work in local government, I think lends itself really well to taking a leadership role um, in the district. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate everybody's support in District 5. Well, you've got our support. <laughs> Thanks so Thanks. much for coming on. Thanks, Jenny. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. You bet. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by MoveToTacoma.com. Want to learn more about life in Tacoma? Visit MoveToTacoma.com. Thanks so much for listening to Citizen Tacoma podcast today. We are part of the Channel 253 network where you can also find the Move to Tacoma podcast as well as the Nerd Farmer podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you've heard on the show today or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, maybe there's something you've been wondering about that maybe we can investigate for you, please contact me at jennyjacobs253 at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Citizen Tacoma. This is Channel 253.